Live. Live. Live from... This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me with freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of the Just in the Suffering Podcast with New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fam. Your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We're going to get ready for the NBA offseason. The draft is this week. Free agency not too long afterwards. We'll be joined by the guys from the Sorry to Interrupt Podcast, Sean Rhodes, Tom Bacchino. We're going to catch you up on all the fun stuff from the NBA offseason. Talk Knicks, Nets, recap the finals, trade rumors. We're going to talk all that with the Sorry to Interrupt guys in just a bit. We're also going to give you my thoughts on the two-minute drill about MLB needs to really look at the sticky stuff rule and it needs to change because the way it's being enforced, very arbitrary, very ridiculous. I'll talk about that at the end of the show. If you like what you hear on the Justin Suffering Podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform, and the final episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and star ratings. That way the podcast even better going forward. So check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of the podcast, the conversation with Sean and Tom are up on YouTube. Again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Without any further ado, let's get to our opening tip. We're going to talk about my takeaway from the NBA Finals. That's coming up here right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here. Opening tip time. NBA Finals came a pretty quick end. Denver takes care of Miami five games. The magic car around Miami was on for the postseason. Comes undone. The offensive firepower of the Nuggets is too much for the Heat to overcome. First time in the 47-year NBA history of the Denver Nuggets. They built their team in a more traditional manner than the star-chasing days of the recent past when you have, you know, the Heat super team era, Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors, LeBron and AD going together to the Lakers, the Altogether, Brooklyn, Super Tina fail. The Nuggets are not that. They did have some good fortune. They found Nikola Jokic in the second round. They did develop him. They drafted and developed Jamal Murray. They surrounded them with complimentary players that fit the roster well and watched them grow together as a team. They also did not get up too quickly on this team. They did not blow up the entire roster and gut their assets for a star who was going to want to out, ask out again in two, three years. They, Like I said, good fortune with Jokic. They developed him. But this win, along with the Milwaukee win a few years ago, when they found Giannis in the 15th pick and developed him, it's a victory for old-school team building, in my opinion. Yes, those teams had their stars. They draft and develop them, though, instead of buying them in free agency or trading every asset in the land to get them. The new CBA, which these teams just signed, imposes harsher penalties on teams starting next year that significantly exceed the luxury tax. It makes this path towards the more traditional roster build a more viable path to success the NBA than going all the way on every star and trying to build a super team in scrubs. Will you have stars still playing together? Sure. Keep in mind, LeBron 80 Lakers have won one title. The KD, Kyrie, James Harden, Brooklyn Nets won one playoff series, and now they're all gone. The Suns are still trying this. They brought in KD. They traded CP3 and a bunch of nothing for Bradley Beal. They've won playoff series so far. Chris Paul is gone now. We'll see how they play out. 
This, in my opinion, is good news for the locals. The Knicks and Nets appear well-positioned to follow this model. They each have a star in the building. Knicks have Jalen Brunson. Nets have Macau Bridges. Potential bill around them. A lot of assets in terms of players, picks, so on. We'll see what happens here with the offseason going forward. But we're going to dive deeper into this with the guys from Sorry Sports. Sean Rowe, Tom Bacchino, they're coming up here right after this. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way to dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like slam dunks and taking it to the hoop. My favorite play is the alley oop. I like the pick and roll. I like the give and go. Because it's basketball or Mr. Curtis Rowe. All right, we are back here covering the NBA on the podcast. The basketball season never truly ends. The offseason drama now starting in the NBA. Join me today to break it all down. My favorite NBA guys to cross it up with on the podcast here. Sean Rowe, Tom McKeel from the Sorry Interrupt Podcast. Welcome back, fellas. How are you? Doing great, man. Thanks for having us back. Yes, sir. Thank you for having us. Hope all is well. Yeah, hope all is well, gone well, too. I mean, since the last time we talked here, I, do, I did – get some cash in here because the Nuggets won the NBA title. Yes, you know, you had to toot your own horn. Congratulations. <laughs> you Great pick by you. I think you said that right around the All-Star break, right? I say right before the playoffs, I say it was the Phoenix, Denver, and you guys pushing for a pick. I said I'm picking the Nuggets because nobody's respecting them. You wow. sent us a text, and I told Tom, I said, I'm not responding because I don't like peacocking. And then, yeah, uh, you peacocked big time. It was but deserving, deserve, but but you deserve it. Yeah, I'm not saying I wouldn't have done the same, but at the moment, <laughs> I, I I didn't want I didn't want to respond. <laughs> yes, good job by you. I feel like you might have been the only person, and and not even just in the podcast world, but in life that picked Denver and stuck with them through and through. So, good job by you, Sean, and I flip flopped throughout the throughout the playoffs, and then. Finally, what did we both settle on Denver, Sean? By the time we got to the finals, we we settled on Denver when they won Game Five. <laughs> hey, no, no, I picked Denver in. Five no, we before. did. Yeah. Yes, I'm kidding. You pick it. You pick Denver in five before the finals. I picked them in six. But yeah. yes, Mike, you deserve all the flowers. You you took them. We. I was convincing myself that the Phoenix experiment was going to work, and hell, maybe it will this time around. But good job by you. Yeah, I got to say, the finals definitely are interesting here because, like, Denver found ways to win these games in multiple ways, whether it was, you know, going up and down the floor. They even won a game where Miami managed to keep in the 90s and slow it down defensively. Denver was able to adapt to ways Miami could not. Yeah, I mean, I think I said it all series uh, to Sean. If Miami didn't shoot, if Miami came back to earth and shot their regular season percentage from three, which was about 34%, and they were much closer to the 40s in the playoffs, they were going to lose the series in five, which is exactly what happened. Miami lives and dies by Jimmy Butler going to the free throw line and shooting threes. And if that wasn't going to happen from their ancillary guys, all those undrafted guys, then it was going to be a wrap. Denver is just too good of a team. And they Denver can beat you so many ways. I mean, you saw it. There was times where Denver shot well above 40% from three and they beat you. And then I think in the closeout game, or, or maybe it was game four, Denver shot like 22% and still beat Miami. So they were just way more talented. And it, it took 
everybody but you, Mike, all the way to the NBA Finals to realize it, but they were by far the best team in the league. Denver was impervious to sustained runs by Miami because of Joker and what he could do, whether it was him shooting, whether it was him backing somebody down and going to the line or finding a cutting Bruce Brown or Christian Brown or whomever or Jamal Murray making big shots. Like they just, they were not a team that was going to allow like one of those 24 to two sustained runs by Miami. So um, because of that, Miami could never really get things going and Malone coached a good series. So um, we should have seen this all along like you did, but yeah, once again, congratulations. <laughs> That's it. We're done. We're done with the congrats. Yeah, let's talk a little bit. Now, about, yeah. yeah, let's talk a little about Denver here. I think that this is interesting with how they won the title here because this could be, I think, in my opinion, a sign of like what's to come with the way NBA title teams are built now, especially now with the new CBA making it harder to trade with the new luxury tax rules if you get above that second apron and stuff like that. I mean, Denver's a team that they drafted their guys, they drafted Joker, they drafted Murray. They found complimentary pieces. They not just, you know, assemble a lineup of stars. And, I mean, we saw this work for Milwaukee a couple of years ago with the drafting Giannis and finding Middleton and stuff like that. We haven't really, since the heat broke up, really haven't really had the superstar team like of three guys coming together in one location and winning here. So, I wonder, I think, if Denver's model becomes a way that more teams win, I think it's good for the league, in my opinion. I think it's going to be forced. Uh, more than anything, just just given the second apron and the new CBA. I, I mean, I I do think teams will model it after Denver. Where, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna find a, a Nikola Jokic in the second round ever ever again. I mean, that's something that teams probably shouldn't aspire to do. But aside from that, like for the Spurs, for example, with Wembenyama, I mean, you got the, you might as well treat him like a quarterback in the NFL when Russell Wilson, for example, where. The Seahawks had him on a rookie contract. They can pay everybody else. Why not go all in and take advantage of that while the rest of the teams are paying their superstars and just try and home grow a championship and go for it early? You both are right, but to me, it it is so much easier said than done. Like, yeah, all you have to do is draft Nikola Jokic in the second round. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I I said. All you have to do is draft uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, number 15 overall, and all you have to do is do, like, Patrick Mahomes, you just have to trade up to draft him when nobody else, like you have to also have a system in place and you have to be patient. I think patience is now going to be awarded a little bit more because listen, Phoenix, or not Phoenix, Denver easily could have, you know, decided when Murray got hurt, Hey, we're going to move on. They weren't going to pay uh, Porter jr. They decided to give him that deal and they brought in a much better group of players because the last couple of years, whether Murray was hurt or not, they didn't fill out that roster very well at all. Um, so their general manager deserves a, a heck of a lot of credit for bringing in the right kind of pieces to complement these guys. Yeah, I do feel Absolutely. like I feel like I've said before on the podcast that like this is more of a throwback also to like the teams like in the eighties and the nineties where you just built together, kept it together for a few years, and they learned how to win together. Whereas I think in the superstars, like don't win in three years, okay, eject, go to the bottom, tank. I think now you see teams have more patience. Like let's see. What's going to come together? I think, especially for the local teams, I think Denver is a good sign of what you want to become. You could think you have. Yes, Mike, the net experiment failed. I get it. <laughs> yeah, rub, rub his face in the dirt a little more. No, <laughs> like but how think... many times can you say the net failed without saying the net failed? You did it. <laughs> 
No, I'm saying even no, right I, now, I think both local teams, I think are in, even in position to, you know, have that potentially you have like a one like key guy in the building already and then you can build around that guy and grow as a team. I I agree with you in theory, and I think that's a smart fan's perspective. Unfortunately, we live in New York. And on top of that, I think besides the fact that the markets are different, the other difference is that Denver was kind of forced to be patient as opposed to a lot of other teams. And this is pointed out by a couple of people because Murray was injured. So they always had that over the last couple of years as kind of a fallback is they didn't have those Oklahoma city get so close with their homegrown team or a few others where you just never got over the hump. They just went from whatever they were in the bubble to this because Murray wasn't healthy. So it was kind of like a forced patient. So I'm interested to see if teams like the Knicks or you name them, will actually go with that when they aren't given the opportunity of patience because they don't have their second-best superstar player uh, suffer a torn ACL, or at least hopefully they don't, and they're forced into being patient. Yeah, let's get start getting into the offseason. You obviously have the NBA draft this week. You know Wemby's going number one to the Spurs. What are the storylines you're going to watch at the NBA draft uh, Thursday? Uh, for me, who goes to? Um, is it Scoot or is it uh, Brandon Miller? Also, is two or three moves um, by either Charlotte or Portland. Uh, there's Zion rumors floating out there. Um, Charlotte apparently does not have any interest in exchanging number two for Zion, but they do with Brandon Ingram. We'll see if New Orleans would get that adventure. I can't see it. Then for three, all reports are from Dame's camp that if they keep that number three pick, uh, they're gonna that, that's going to be the end of the Dame there, and he's going to officially ask out, which I think is best for them. And then the rest of the way, I just want to see which teams stay pat. I mean, you've heard Dallas, Indiana, uh, Atlanta is looking to possibly trade back. So teams uh, with movable assets could look to move up in this draft. So I think it's going to be pretty fascinating. Yeah, I do too. I think, I think honestly, I think Scoot's more of a lock to go number two the, the closer we get to the draft. Charlotte just had him come back in for another workout, and that usually doesn't happen unless they're going to take the guy. Uh, so I think the draft really begins at three trade wise and who gets taken. Um, and you've already named all the storylines. There's just so much up in the air and so many moves that can be made. I'm sure we're going to talk about Knicks later and what I'd like to see them do. Yeah. I also feel like there's a lot of teams are sitting there like on three picks in the first round or like a bunch of high second rounds. They're not going to make all those picks. it will be a lot of trades. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the Knicks here because obviously they have a very interesting offseason here. They get to the semifinals. They lose to the Heat. They gave the Heat probably a tougher time than anybody in the East for, for a while until Boston's come back. They still have a big decision on Josh Hart. They're going to try and want to consolidate probably and get another star alongside Brunson here. So, like, what do you guys think is up for the Knicks in the offseason? What do you think they're going to be looking to do? Tom, this is Sorry. your team. You go first, brother. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, at the beginning, right when the series ended, I was pounding the table to get rid of Randall, but given his contract and what's going on with the new CBA, and also the fact that his ankle injury came out and it was a lot worse than what we had anticipated it was, uh, I think that unless the Knicks make a huge splash here, they're going to kind of stand pat, probably re-sign Josh Hart. I already told Sean, I'd like to see them go after fringe guys, unless they're going to go after Zion, which is my ultimate dream. I, I want to see them go after fringe guys like Marcus Smart and, and maybe Jonathan Isaacs, a couple other players like that to fill out the roster and just get better and hoard those draft picks to when the next unhappy superstar inevitably becomes available. 
I think they're going to be patient unless the guy that they really want shakes loose. I do think that patience, even though I said is is rewarded, I think that they have a situation right now where it's going to be very hard to have a sub, you know, uh, a lackluster season. I'll say after going to the second round uh, with Knicks fans, you guys getting a taste of what that was like. So I think that the names that I would I would throw out there, I mean. Could you get Colin Sexton for cheap from Utah? It sounds like they're going to make him available. Is is Cat realistic? Like, do you make a play for Chris Paul to be Jalen Brunson's backup? Like, I think those are the kind of guys you're looking at as far as like the real superstars. It doesn't seem like there's really any ties toward the Lillard. Um, so I don't know. I like Tom your idea of just kind of rounding out this roster and making sure that Hart is back. I think he does so much for that team. Um, but you do need yeah. to get better players and you need to get more scoring. And I think that shooting is going to be something that's whether it comes from the draft or whether it comes from a trade or free agency that you have to get better at. Um, I saw Obi Toppin rumors today possibly being shipped out. So um, I don't know. I think that there's a lot that you can do. I just think I worry about you deciding this is the time to go get the guy and uh, that being somebody like a cat. Yeah, I don't think cat yeah, is the guy, by the way. Yeah, I don't think he's not a winning guy. I don't either. I think it like if they're looking at purely for a free agent upgrade, I think like you're looking more obviously bringing Hart back. I think guys like Dante DiVincenzo, that's your guards who can give you more shooting and play a little defense. I think that's what they're looking for, really, free agent wise. Somebody to oh, yeah. role. A hundred percent. And I mean I just I don't you know, Chris Paul's out there, like you said, Sean Collins back is available. I just I don't want somebody that's gonna take those both those guys, unless Chris Paul is going to take a lesser role. Both those guys are guys that they do all their their work with the ball in their hands. They're high usage rate guys, and at this point in his career, Jalen Brunson's better than Chris Paul, and he's already better than Colin Sexton. I don't want the ball being taken out of his hands to be given to lesser players. I'd rather go for a wing guy. Our wings were exposed, especially by Miami. We need a wing defender. We need a three and D type guy. That's why I'm big in on Jonathan Isaacs, who I think we could get for really cheap because he never plays. Maybe, you know, the New York water could keep him healthy. Um, and and I want a guy like Marcus Smart. We need more dogs on defense and more three-point shooting. Yeah, sure. The one thing you worry about with them is, like, you considering, like, I think we talk about the CVA a little bit here, but, like, Jalen Brunson is relatively underpaid compared to what he showed that last year. And you wonder if the Knicks are saying here, thinking, you know what, we're going to have to pay Jalen Brunson in two years. Like, do we have to go get our guy now before the CBA makes it too hard for us to trade? Yeah, and I don't know. Oh, go ahead, Tom. Sorry to I don't really like Mike. I don't really care if they want to go get their guy. I care more about who their guy is, like who they identify as their guy. That's that's all I have to say. Right. If it's they Kat, I'm not cool with that. They identified Mitchell as their guy. They just got out outbid by Cleveland. Right. You need a guy like that where the front office was like, "That's our guy. Let's go do it." But they didn't believe that Cleveland was actually going to pony up what they ended up ponying up. So. Um, as far as like what you're going to have to do, like, I agree. Like when you, you don't have any rookies that you have to pay. Like, I know you already paid RJ Barrett, but that's an easily easy contract to move. If he's the focal point of a trade, right? Like I know some Knicks fans are very torn on him from an unbiased perspective. I think he's going to be a nice player in the NBA for a long time. Is he a rotational player that you could see in the finals, like an Andrew Wiggins or somebody like that down the road? Sure, I would believe that. Is he going to be any more than that? I can't personally see it. Maybe you guys feel differently. But 
there is definitely room to get better, especially because you don't have a lot of guaranteed crazy money on the book. Yeah, that's for sure. Circle back to them here. Let's talk about the Nets here, obviously, as well, too, because they get swept out of the first round by the Sixers, but they do have a lot of intriguing young talent on their roster. Like how Bridges looks like he's going to be the guy to build around there. Like, Nets have a lot of picks from Phoenix coming. They still have give a lot for Houston in the form of swaps and trades, but they have a lot of pieces here. So what do you see the Nets trying to do? Well, right now there's a lot of Willard buzz. So Tom and I talked about this on our pod yesterday. If you're the Nets, do you make the call? Yeah, of course you do, uh, especially if he becomes made available. He's been on record of saying he would love to play with Mikhail Bridges. They're really tight. Um, I don't care about timelines. I think, Tom, you and I had a great discussion about it last night. Like, it, It's the most overused excuse to not go out and do things in the NBA. Chris Paul was not part of Phoenix's timeline when they brought him in, but he got them to a final. Mikhail Bridges is that guy. He is that good. Is he a bona fide superstar in this league? That I don't believe he is. Um, but you could see what his value is where you have him offering five first-rounders for him. Um, so they are going to build around him. It sounds like Cam Johnson. They are pretty much guaranteeing to bring him back. I would be shocked if he wasn't back. And then if Willard doesn't work out, I think they're going to be patient. I think Willard is their guy. Tom, you said, like, the Knicks aren't going to just go get their guy. They have, it has to be the guy. And I think Willard is the guy for Brooklyn. If he doesn't come, then I think that they're happy to fill out this roster around the fringes, kind of like you suggested the Knicks do. Be a first-round playoff team. Continue to grow bridges as your you know, franchise guy. Um, and then see who is available with all of these draft, all this draft capital that you've acquired. Although I will say out of the four Phoenix picks, two of them don't look all that enticing anymore because I don't see Phoenix being absolutely catastrophically bad in the next two, in the next three years. Yeah, Sean, I, I, I echo everything you say. I just, I think, I think the Nets need to make a couple moves to get rid of, you know, they need to get a little slimmer at the wing, need to get a couple of guards, and I would go all in for game personally, if, it, if it's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, like, in terms of the Yazzie, the only thing that's dreading Nets down is the Ben Simmons contract. Other than that, like, you love what they have, they have to offer up here. Simmons is such an enigma, Mike, because I've been in the camp of you trade him, but maybe his value is so bad right now where if you can get anything out of him, a, that's better than what you might have to just eat in terms of trading him and then having to force a trade of Cam Thomas or a, one of your draft picks just to ditch him. Or, you know, maybe next year is the year that you dangle him because he'll be on an expiring. So it's tough, but not having to pay KD, not having to pay Harden, not having to pay Kyrie. And then in addition, the, the contract Bridges is under is super team-friendly. It's very comparable to the deal that Brunson's under with Nick. So uh, that's advantageous for the Nets. And obviously, Cy has shown his willingness to go way over the luxury tax. Yeah, let's go to the free agent market a little bit here. Obviously, the, you mentioned one of the guys being a big free agent here, James Harden. Do you buy the, any of the Houston rumors that he might go back there? Do you think he's just holding out for a better deal at Philly? I read that he's actually going to take less money to stay with Philly. Um, I don't know. I feel like we're going to be seeing outside of like the Washington guys that are probably going to leave because they're doing a full teardown. I feel like it's going to be a depressing free agent season. Um, I, I just feel like we're going to see a lot of guys going back to where to where they were last year. I mean, I think the the sexiest free agent, if he does leave, that has the best chance is Fred VanVleet. What about you, Sean? 
Yeah, I think it's between Philly and Houston, and there seems to be the tea leaves that he wants to stay in Philly uh, and run it back with Joel. So um, from that vantage point, I, I think he's staying in Philly. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned they're the Washington guys. The only ones you really watch here is if they – because Chris Paul's contract is guaranteed with the trade, so he's going to be there for a little bit. Like, Porzingis, you wonder, like, does he try and go somewhere else now? Do they try and trade him somewhere? Like, there's not much else. A lot of these guys, you say, are basically going to end up just staying where they are. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be telling when we see what happens with Van Vliet, what Toronto's going to do, because I think if Van Vliet goes, then you see a Siakam trade. Trades are going to be so much more fun in this offseason than free agency. Like I said, I think Van Vliet is the biggest piece to go. And that's, you know, compared to a couple of years back, I mean, it's not a very fun free agency. I think everybody else goes back to their team, their respective teams from the big names that you want to see. Well, you know, I, I, I think, and I don't see him on your list here, Mike, but I think Kyrie is destined to go back to Dallas. And then when, when you're looking at, you know, teams like Houston and San Antonio that have loads of cap space, I think you're going to see guys like Austin Reeves get big contract offers. I think you're going to see guys like um, Cam, Cam Johnson for the Nets. Uh, they're going to have to probably match a pretty sizable offer sheet that Houston or San Antonio is going to give them. Um, guys like Dylan Brooks. Like those are the kind of players, Brooke Lopez. Those are the kind of guys I think that are going to get a lot of money early in free agency. Yeah, I'm also curious how the Draymond situation plays out the, with the Warriors, also because that seems like very weird. What's going on too. there? I think he goes back, no doubt. I agree. All right, so let's get now to the fun, which is the trade market here, because obviously there's a lot going on here. But we before we got a chance to come on here, Bradley Beal gets traded. This ridiculous deal of Phoenix here, where. I think at this point, you look at all the money they have to pay to him and Aiton and Durant and Booker here. I mean, the three of us might as well get our shoes and get to the gym because they might need to pay his vet men to fill the bench. Yeah, we might have to suit up. I, I Listen, I mean, I think I think Washington is a joke of a franchise and they got basically nothing for it and they deserve it. Um, but I don't mind the deal for Phoenix because, you know what, I, I said it to Sean yesterday on our podcast, if you're going to go all in with Kevin Durant and make that trade, and if you think this makes your team better, then do it. Because if this brings you closer to a championship, that's what your goal is when you're paying Kevin Durant and Devin Booker that much money. Yeah, I think if you figure it out later, whether you keep Aiton or you trade Aiton for more pieces or you get guys like Tom, you made a great point Like when we talked about it on our pod about how Denver's going to be a premier destination. And Mike, I wonder if you agree with us too. Because of Jokic and you saw what he did for guys like Bruce Brown, Christian Brown and KCP, like I think Phoenix is going to become that when now all of a sudden we have this middle class in the NBA that's really not going to have much of a market. So I I agree. I think they'll figure it out. And when you can get Bradley Beal for that little, um, you do it every time. It always reminds me of like the John Carl Stanton trade for the Yankees back in 2017, where like they, was it the greatest roster fit? No, but like you, pay, they paid up almost nothing to get him and got money kicked in by my hands. Like you're at that point, just might as well just do it and make it work. And for everybody exactly. that says they wouldn't do it, like you be in that spot. You say I'm not going to take that talent for not for so for pennies on the dollar, and see how that works for your job security. Yeah, I will say, oh, the Washington the giving him that contract with the no trade clause before the CBA was probably one of the stupidest like decisions that's been made in the NBA in a long time. Oh, it's a joke. I mean, they don't give out no trade clauses in the NBA for a reason because this is what ends up happening. 
Yeah, that's for sure. Here, let's go to some of the other guys who might be on the block. Here, we talked we talked about Dame a little bit earlier, Damian Lillard now, and you think this does hinge on the draft? If they can't ship ship out three for immediate help, he's just gone. I personally think so, and the reason I mean, when Tom and I did this pod last night, we said to each other, we we posed the question: Is he on Portland opening day? And we both said yes, but I was really hesitant because. You know, Chris Haynes seems to be his guy that he talks to all the time in the media. And his comments have been very cryptic from reporting by Haynes, saying he is committed to Portland. He does not want to leave Portland. But with the caveat of they keep that third pick, he's out. And I just don't see the player being available that's going to change his opinion. The only one could possibly be the next guy you have on your list, Mike, which is Zion. And would Portland is the thought a of Zion who really hasn't played at all since he's been in the pros enough to entice Lillard to stay. And also if you're new Orleans is the package of number three and maybe a shade and sharp or Anthony Simons enough. Cause to me, I feel like that's just another development piece with Zion. That's no guarantee. That's not uh Tom's hypothetical of Anthony Davis yesterday or anything like that. So I think if Lillard does get traded, it's Brooklyn. Because Miami doesn't have the the cap space to do it with what they're going to pay Bam, what they have with Jimmy, and what they have with Tyler Hero. Yeah, the Miami thing is is weird. I feel like everybody wants to go Miami, then they have no money to make any of these trades work. No. No, I think they're spent. And, you know, everybody always says, don't sleep on Miami this, don't sleep on Miami that. And they do find a way sometimes. I mean, when they went out and got Jimmy Butler for basically nothing on that sign and trade. But that was more of a free agency thing. I just, I am sleeping on Miami this time because I just don't see how they have the assets or the money. Like Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry doesn't move the needle for me. I'm sorry. Like, especially with all the picks that the Mets have. The Mets are in the catbird seat. I, I really do think that if they want him and Dame is willing to leave, the Mets can pony up more than enough to go get him. And then I'm going to have to hear Sean's mouth again for the entire next <laughs> couple of years. Yeah, but if it worked out the first like it did the first time, and we weren't friends with the well, Dame is not Kyrie Irving. Well, and that's it. But you'll still have the last laugh if it doesn't work out. So. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's go to Zion here because obviously this one sort of percolated the last week or so. We heard rumors that the Pelicans really want to get Scoot Henderson. They want to find a way to get up in the draft and do it. And the rumor is that Zion is on the block to make that happen. We've heard that teams may for Brandon Ingram here. Zion is. I have cryptic whether or not he's happy in New Orleans or not. So, like, what do you think of the chances are that he ends up on the block or getting moved? I mean, it's it's he is the most interesting player in the NBA outside, I guess, Wembenyama now in the last ten years to me, where his talent is just so overwhelming. But the other side of the coin is that he may never play another NBA game again, and that's kind of the risk you take, and that's why his worth is what it is right now. I've read conflicting reports that they're going to make it work. And then I've also said that there's no chance he's on the team when they go to training camp or whatever the NBA's version of that is. Um, I mean, I don't know. Personally, I'd really like to see the Knicks step up and try and put him and RJ Barrett together um, and just try and break the record for the most lefties on one team at a time. Um, (laughs) But, but, I don't know. I, I think Portland is the one who could really make a move here with number three, and they have so many young players. It's just, is, is New Orleans willing to do that, or do they want to be a win-now team? Yeah, they consult with, if Portland, that is, consults with Dame, and Dame signs off on it and says, yeah, I'll, I'll 
this is this is what I want. Uh, I think Portland does it, and I think New Orleans does it too. Aside from that, I mean, the Knicks are definitely the most fun destination because I don't think any other team is really going to offer what what New Orleans could possibly want. And the risk-reward, obviously, we're not in that building. We don't know the whole deal. You hear those reports that Tom mentioned, but I don't know. For me, I think it would have to be for the number two or number three pick, and that's really it. Yeah, I think with the Knicks also, I think one thing you have to watch here with that situation is like, especially on draft night, if they pick up Derrick Rose's contract option for that, it makes you feel like they're close trade because his salary is like with Fournier or Rails enough money to like get a big salary back in return. That's a good point. So that's something I think I watch on Nick front here. And, and like the fit with the Knicks would be fascinating if they do pull off Zion because like they have a lot of picks. I think they're trying to realize, get you know, like, these protected picks that the Washington one's going to be pretty much useless here. Who knows? We get this Milwaukee pick. So, like, maybe consolidate a little bit now. If Zion's available, is say, you know, like, let's put him in RJ again and see if we get some magic happening with those two in Brunson. Yeah, exactly. I just hate the Mavericks and Kyrie Irving because we could have had that pick as well had they not sucked towards the end of the season because of Kyrie. Yeah, that's for sure. Let's go to some other names here. Any chance Trey Young is moved? No. But I do think Trae that Young, his teammate, DeJounte Murray, could. Yeah, I think uh, Trey Young is like the ultimate flaccid peepee, we'll call it on your podcast. It's just, I don't think he's going to fetch you anything. And I think whoever he gets traded for, both fan bases just end up in the exact same position. They're just changing the name on the back of the jersey. I think Trey Young, a trade for him would be like a like Trey Young for, I don't know, name another player that's not a winning player. That just puts up bullshit BS stats. Yeah. Trey Young for Cat. There you go. I I just don't think that his value to other teams is as much as it is marketing-wise and selling ticket-wise to Atlanta. Say what you want about him as a player, and he is flawed, but he means a lot to that. He in the seats. That's for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, he is box office. We saw it in that playoff series against the Knicks. We saw it against Philly. We've seen it at times. Um, I just think he means more to Atlanta than uh, Atlanta would be willing to take back. But DeJounte Murray, I do think, would be on the block because they want to shed some salary. I think John Collins is finally going to be on the move as well. Yeah, I think it's also interesting because I feel like he's a guy who's in links to the Lakers so, so, so much. And, like, all the Lakers offers are saying it's, like, two role players and, like, picks in the far, 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 far future to, like, get a deal done. And, like, and as well as things, like, if you ever follow, like, Twitter f- Yankee fans of the MLB trade machines, like, Oh, we'll give you three prospects for your three best players, and the the math, the math works. Like, does it work? Like, you need to have actual. I love, I love the reports that are like the Lakers are focused on acquiring either Trey Young or Damian Lillard, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm really interested in dating Taylor Swift. I don't think that's happening. So, <laughs> who do you think has a better chance? I think okay. Sean, I think Sean does. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever seen? Oh yes, you've met Sean Phillips. I don't know. Yeah, I don't see what it. What are you talking about? I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! Let's with move on to the next per- guy with a winning personality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so let's go. Oh on. shoot! Go to the next guy on the list here, Zach Levine. He rumored Knicks target at one point, and this is something uh, that you have to see here. Like, does Chicago feel like it's time to blow it up? And it's something like I would watch. So I think like he feels like a prime Laker target. It feels like something the Knicks could circle back. I would think about Levine. In Chicago, it's like, how long are we going to do this for? 
I mean, you could say like the Celtics have been, you know, with the same team for almost 10 years, but at least, and they haven't won a title, but at least they've made it to a million Eastern Conference Finals. Has this team even made the playoffs? And it feels like this team has been together forever. I, I think it's time to sell all. It's just with Levine between the knee issues and whatnot, I don't really know what he's going to fetch. And he makes me nervous. He's a high uses, low efficiency guy, and I just hate that. I think that he actually, and, and again, you guys can chirp back at me. I think he's a perfect fit for the Knicks. You've got yeah. Brunson, who is going to be that guy. You've got Randall, who I don't think Chicago has any interest in taking back. You would have a bona fide, legit scorer. And yeah, you'll, live, you'll have to deal with his absolutely non-existent defense, but you're going to have nights where he goes for 45-50, and Brunson doesn't have to, and Randall doesn't have to take the last shot. I think he would fit well in that team in addition to the fact that Chicago, I think the reason they held out for so long is because they wanted that version of the team that started the 2021 season with Lonzo. Lonzo may never play again, and I think they're starting to face that reality. So they're going to have to break this down, and I do think he would work for the Knicks. I, I really do. What do you guys – I mean, Mike, what do you think? I think the thing that I'm not sold on is I don't think Tom Fibber would – find a way to fit him in seamlessly. I feel like Tom Thibodeau but he was very... said Tom Thibodeau was one of his favorite coaches, and he, he applauded him for his time in Minnesota, saying Thank, he gave me the freedom to be the kind of player I wanted to be. Without him, I wouldn't have turned into what I was. So I, I think there's a relationship there, a good one. I do. And, you know, Sean, I think Sean has a good point to where I think we're at the point now at the Knicks where they're, they're – it's going to get to where we're holding out for the for a perfect player or a super duper star player, and those players unfortunately just do not become available. Maybe Luka Doncic in like three years when you know he right after he murders Kyrie Irving in cold blood. Um, but but I think at some point you have to say like he's going to cost less capital wise, draft capital wise, and. He might just be the best fit and our best chance to get a true star in here. Because here's the question I want to ask both of you guys. It's two-pronged. One, do you want to live in a world where Jalen Brunson has to give you 45 points to win? No. No. Okay. Do you I don't want think Jalen Brunson wants to live in that world either, by the way. I don't think he does either. So do you want Julius Randle then being your predominant plan B and doing the Randle handle where he gets it stolen from behind him uh, for holding the ball too long. I feel like I'm at like therapy where I, where I'm only getting asked questions that you're going to get the answer you want out of it. Is there, is there a C? None of the above. C, do you want to go back to where you were two <laughs> years ago where you weren't even in the playoffs? <laughs> okay. I guess at this point, Mike, I think we just have to take, if you ask Sean, you should be the GM for Chicago. We might as well just take Zach Levine then. Yeah, what do you like, Sean? What's the package? In your opinion? If they next try and trade for Levine? Yeah, I want to see how desperate Chicago is to move him. But you definitely start with you definitely start with Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, and then you go to the pit. I think you do everything you can to not have to touch RJ. But seriously, is RJ untouchable? Like if Chicago's no. like we're not doing this without RJ Barrett, you hang up the phone. How much more of R.J. Barrett do we have to see to be like, once again, I think he's a nice player. I'm not emotionally attached to him, but come on. I still think R.J.'s too good to be to be included with that package and some picks. Like, if you said the, the quickly top it and R.J., okay, fine. But if they want picks on top of that, I'm hanging up the phone. Well, they're like going to want either, picks. 
it's simple. Then, then you can have one or two, you know, top five protected first round picks. Because I mean, Levine has the guy even made an All Star team? I don't know that. I don't know. But again, I mean, you're not asking him to be. You're not asking him to come here and be the guy. The Knicks issue in the past has been sure, paying. but I'm also not paying. I'm not paying out the ass for him not to be the guy. You know. But you don't have to have him that. Again, you just said you're not going to get the super-duper star. This might be the best you get. A, a, a rotation with him, Brunson, and Randall is, is really, really good. You just took your scoring up to a whole new level, and you have a guy who's not afraid in crunch time and doesn't have to be the exclusive ball handler because Brunson's that. He has made two all-star teams, by the way. Yeah, it sounds. Yeah, I mean, looking at some of these options here, I mean, you could also throw Quentin Grimes in the mix here. You're looking at like, you're, I'm assuming you're probably throwing things like, like Fournier to sort of make the money work in terms of that situation. But my right. point is, but my point is that like, if Sean's talking about draft picks and whatnot, it's like, yes, do I do I agree that we're probably not going to get Luca or whoever the next unhappy super duper duper star is? Yes, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to pay for Levine as if he's that guy, just because we're not going to get the other guy. Okay. Like, I'm not going to overpay, you know what I mean? Are you going to keep all of these draft picks, the 11 that you have in the next, like, five years? No, not at all, but I, I just, let's not give up, like, the really good ones. I just think it's funny with, like, with Nick fans, where it's like, I want the superstar. We need to move on. Okay, well, here's a great, great player, because he's going to be available. Ah, not good enough. Like no, I mean I'm not I'm not being that Knicks fan right now. I, I just admitted that. I'm just I'm saying, saying I don't I don't want to pay I don't want to pay you know um, Luka Doncic prices for Zach Levine. You're not going to. It, like I don't want to have to. Like if it's if it's too heavily protected picks and um and and RJ, then that's fine. I just think that if you got him, you would be so good for so long, like terms of like being a consistent playoff team, probably second round, maybe third round playoff team, where those picks are not going to really mean a whole lot. Yeah, I think it's, I think this is the most most likely star to the Knicks that I think scenario here is going to play out. I think that they are very interested in looking at him. I mean, they have the assets. I do feel like with, as I said earlier, the Brunson contract being what it is, and you're not going to have to pay him again in a few years, this might be sort of like a uh, – Shinner get off the pot situation for the Knicks. I'm right there with you. Yeah. All right. And the last one, I think this might be more of a longer-term look here. Like, I think we have to keep an eye on Embiid and Philly. I know that, like, especially if Harden goes back, they give another run. But I think if they fall flat again, I feel like he might get frustrated and start being a guy who just wants his way out of there. Now, Mike, I don't think you did this intentionally. And if you did, you are truly brilliant. But, boy, does this segue perfectly from our last conversation. because. If Joel the one star on I'm keeping all those good picks for, by exactly. the way. Exactly. If this is on the Knicks' radar and they're willing to play the long game, okay, now now I can buy into your to your hope and your plan. Because, man, Joel Embiid at Madison Square Garden with Jalen Brunson, that would be sick. Yeah, that was intentional on my part. Because I started setting in mind, like, like, if you had a guy that you could – get in here in terms of like a guy who might actually come available if things keep imploding. I feel like he's the closest one. I think him in New York, like be, right, being down low with, with Jalen Brunson in there and our, and like whatever you have to give up, you give up apart from Brunson and make it work. I think that would be great. 
But with the Knicks and their draft picks and whatnot, like Sean said, like you're not going to make all those picks. Even if you go out and get a guy like Levine, it's going to be a few years before Embiid sours enough to want to leave. I still think we have enough assets to be right there with every other team trying to make that deal. You are. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Even if we went on a god Levine, I still think we would be. Yeah, because you wouldn't have to give up everything. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a good you're in a perfect position for what this new iteration of the CBA is going to force teams to be. Both of our locals are, but the Knicks in particular where there are 11 picks and Jalen Brunson and the second round matchup with the heat. Like, can you believe that the Knicks acting like a savvy organization? Isaiah Thomas is out there ruining his new new organization. Phoenix just wait for them in seven years. See where they're at. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be a lot of fun because I do feel like I agree with you guys that like plus like you get Levine and like maybe you get like hot one players get to a conference finals and Philly flames out again and Embiid says you know, I want to go here because it kind of forces his way there. That's something you can also keep keep yourself in play for. Yeah, I, no, I don't. 100%. I, I just think that you know you the thing that we know for sure in today's NBA is things change so fast, so freaking fast and you don't want to be caught in the game of musical chairs falling and sitting on your ass so you know like you got to figure out something and i just can't see a world where the knicks are patient enough to admit that all right if we get lucky again the second round we're we're going to be a second round exit again like expectations change you have your point guard that you've been clamoring for for years you're not paying a lot to randall's a good player whether you want to trade him or not I think some of these young guys are much better in terms of where they hold in terms of sentimentality with Knicks fans in terms as opposed to what they actually are. Yeah. You've got so much flexibility with these picks, most of which are not going to be great picks. You got to you got to be aggressive and and hey, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but I don't think you're going to look back on whatever the Knicks end up doing and be like Unless they gave up everything for Cat this summer, and then I'll rescind my point. But <laughs> I, think, I just I, I don't want to talk about it. Anymore. I think your organization is smart, and I think if the right deal is there, I mean, guys, do you buy into the reports that they were pretty in on Beal? He just wanted to go to Phoenix. That would have been a stupid move on their part. I feel like not if you gave well, up what Phoenix did. Yeah, true. <laughs> we gave up literally nothing. I'd be happy to have Bradley Beal. Yeah, um, I, feel like it was I don't know. We may look at. Go ahead, Mike. Sorry, this is a function of Bradley Beal saying, "Like I'm going here. I have no trade calls. I have all the power." Or if he let them have a bidding war, I think you're not getting the price that Phoenix paid. Very true as well. But the fact that the Knicks were in on him, I think, shows that they're willing to be aggressive, which seems like it's a good thing for you guys. Yeah, but how in on him were they? Because it seems like the Knicks are quote unquote in on most guys, and then they. They overvalue their, you know, they overvalue sometimes their picks. They're very guilty of that, and they overvalue their players sometimes. I don't know. Maybe it's a New York thing because the Yankees seem to do that with every single one of their prospects as well. Yeah, the amount of times I've heard like, about Yankee prospects being with next greatest things ever. Like I said earlier, with this, those MLB like Twitter trades, or, or they use the trade machine. It's like, oh, the Yankees like fifth, sixth, and ninth prospects for like Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger. Let's make a deal. Like the Cubs wouldn't make that deal. You got to get off those uh, those fan Twitter pages, Mike. Not good for yeah. you. They get sent- yeah, those are bad. They get sent to me. <laughs> yeah, I would I would somehow find a way to uh, find whoever's sending them to you and 
put him on a bit of a hiatus. Yeah, uh, block him. Mike, I got a question for you about the Jets real quick since we're both Jets fans. Yeah. What do you think about signing Dalvin Cook? Just because I, I've been reading the reports about Brees Hall that he's running real fast, 22 miles an hour, but we know that it's going to take at least the first month on that knee for him to get back to 100%. I think it may even take half of the season for him to get back. Do you think that the Jets, if they can get him on a reasonable deal, would be a good move to get Dalvin Cook just to hold down the fort? Yes, because I they remember, remember like when they uh, back in 2010, like they brought LT in towards the end of his career. He was a great like uh, fit for that offense. So like Cook coming here could be the second coming of that. Yeah, I, I just like it as kind of I know they got the guy out of pit and and they really like him, but I just I don't know if I trust rookie running backs and, and we're in a we're truly in a win now for the first time in a very long time as Jets fans in a win now situation. And I just want to get a sure thing in the backfield. And let's just drain the last little bit of Dalvin Cook before we have uh, our true bell cow and Brees Hall coming back. I think it's a no brainer. I think if Cook wants to come here, I think again, comes. I think he wants his money more than like picking the perfect situation. Mm. I feel like if the Jets don't give him the money, he's not coming here. Eh, that's a good point. Uh, one can dream. Yeah, we could see. I want to thank you guys for coming on. If you want to keep up your podcast, how can I do that? Uh, yeah, you can check us out on Spotify, any of the other mediums. Uh, sorry to interrupt podcasts. Or easiest way to get it, because we tweet it out every time, is on Twitter, at Sorry Sports. Awesome, guys. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Appreciate thank it, you, Mike. Sir. The Two-Minute Drill. Right, two-minute drill time. One of the big headlines last week coming out of the Subway Series. Mets leader Drew Smith gets ejected for having sticky substances. Drew Smith is the second Met this year. Got hit with a sticky stuff ban. Aaron Max Scherzer back in L.A. in April. He's currently serving his 10-game suspension, which leads the Mets only 12 pitchers through Sunday's game against the Phillies, assuming no rainouts in Philly over the weekend. He was ejected by True Chief Bill Miller, who said, quote, Drew Smith was ejected because he had sticky hands. I don't know what it was. I just know it was sticky. Let that sink in for a second. Bill Miller decided he felt Drew Smith's hands were sticky. And he could toss him because he deemed his hands were too sticky without even knowing what the substance on it was. Drew Smith said after the game, he went to an NLE official after he was ejected. The official laughed and said, there's nothing there. I don't know what he's talking about. This system is absolutely bonkers. There's no consistency whatsoever. We've had guys that get suspended for using rosin and sweat on the first look. We've had some guys get told, go wash your hands, come back. The standard having Bill Miller or Phil Cuzzy get to decide their infinite wisdom, what's too sticky versus what isn't, is way too arbitrary to decide whether a guy is suspended for 10 games. If it was just a suspension, not great. But the penalty is worse. Is that You cannot replace the pitcher on your roster. Teams are allowed to carry a maximum of 13 pitchers now to the new CBA. Drew Smith counts one of the 13 for the Mets. So, while he's suspended, you can't even send down a guy like Mark Vientos to get an extra arm for 10 days. They couldn't do that. Having teams play a man short is a competitive disadvantage that's way too important for it to be determined by, I just know it was sticky. The fact we have Bill Miller saying it was sticky and Emily official in the locker room saying there was nothing there. That's a hard reason for the Mets or any team that matter to be shorthand for 10 games. This is the type of thing that could really cost a team dearly in playoff positioning is on the line. 
Bottom line should not be in the hands of the umpires to unilaterally decide who's cheating, who isn't. The whole reason we had this rule change in the first place is because spin rates were way up. Guess what? They went down a little bit. They're back up again. They're still finding ways to cheat, and this is not working any well catching anything. Is it really that hard to simply designate a beautiful substance like rosin, like some sort of spray that you use, or to make the tackier baseballs easier to grip? Bottom line here, the idea behind banging the sticky stuff is good. I think that w- made sense. The way it's being enforced is really, really laughable. It could impact playoff races. The league needs a better system. They won't admit it, but they do. With that, I want to end the show for the week. I want to thank my guests, Tom and Sean, from the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. A lot of fun chatting NBA with them. Remember to stuff like this podcast. Include my reaction to the Peter Laviolette let hire as head coach of the Rangers. Check out the blog over at justonthesuffering.wordpress.com. Check out the Sky Guys podcast. This this week, we are getting ready to start gearing up for Ahsoka on Disney Plus in August, doing Ahsoka 101. We're going back for the character history of Ahsoka Tano. This week's episodes are going to cover the Clone Wars movie and season one of Clone Wars from Ahsoka's point of view. So we're going to go through that. Subscribe to the podcast, same platform as the top of the show, if you are so inclined. You can also follow me on Twitter, mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Coming up next week here on the podcast, we're going to get ready to talk some Yankees, see how they're doing as they struggle a little bit. Can they get back in the race and do that, that and more? So they have a better week than Drew Smith. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.